few, the few I don't, James is my name, and uh, I uh, am the minister at a church called The Common, which sort of really was planted out of here um, four and a bit years ago. And uh, just very quickly, we've gone from, I think we've gone from being a startup church and now we're scaling up. We've even got rosters. So things are, things are starting. We're starting to put some systems together. Um, next Sunday, I think in your musings on your, will be my, I've sent a musing through, but yours is trumped, which is, I'm sure it's far better. But my, there will be a musing on the common. Talks about some things have changed, uh, in the common and in our lives, but many things stay the same, like Fremantle not winning the premiership. So there's similar things have stayed the same, um, and uh, but things have changed. There we go. That's the common. Um, when I first met my wife Jane, um, there was a conflict, not a verbal fight, but there was a battle for her heart. Uh, we had this problem. I was living in Geelong. She was living in Adelaide. Uh, she was in her final year of her second degree. She was educated. <clears throat> I was not. Uh, she had a family and friends and a network uh, in Adelaide. She was 22 uh, and mature. I was 20, just, and immature. Uh, she seemed to be knowing where she was going in life and moving on. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, she had prospects, maybe I didn't. Uh, how was I to win her heart? Well, like a tw- any good 20-year-old, I hit the gym uh, for six weeks. When you're 20, you can lose 10 kilos in six weeks easily. And I did. Looked all right. Bought new clothes. Started brushing my teeth. Um, I needed to woo her. I needed to win her heart from Adelaide and all that that entailed and have her join me in Geelong. The war was on for the affections of her heart. Adelaide or me? The conflict was brewing. And Paul, in this passage today, is telling this church or churches in Galatia that there is a conflict going on. A war is happening in the church. That's what verses 16 and 17 tell us in today's reading, a war that is being fought over individual hearts, a war where both sides are trying to win the affections of the heart. The flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. Both sides, flesh and spirit, are trying to have hearts one for them. Both sides are wanting the affections of the church's heart individually and corporately. Who will win the affections of the heart? The flesh or the spirit? At first glance, it seems that there's a don't do list. That's the flesh. And a do list, that's the spirit. And if the flesh wins, verses 19 to 21, it's carnage. It doesn't look good. It's a war for hearts. Dead hearts everywhere. 
dead hearts looking for ultimate meaning in all the wrong places. Looking for fulfillment. See, eventually, I did woo Jane's heart. And we honeymooned here in Perth, believe it or not, and down in Margaret River. And on our first night, we thought it would be nice to get a video. Do you remember we used to go to video shops? I went out to get a VHS. That's a, a video is a thing we used to put into a machine. Um, now, I didn't know the social sort of um, cues well at that time. And instead of when I got to the video shop, I went by myself. Jane stayed back where we were staying. Uh, instead of sort of getting a romantic DVD uh, video or or um, you know, a chick flick or something like that, um, I came back with Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> now, if you've seen the first 15 minutes of that, this is one of the great war movies, fellas. Like, but it is carnage. Limbs are blown off, flesh flying everywhere, gunfire, pure carnage. And Paul is actually saying that the axe or the lust of the flesh causes carnage. The flesh wants to woo the heart any way it can. And so it goes to work, deceitfully, may I add. It's a a bait and switch. It promises one thing, yet delivers another. It's like any good mafia movie or miniseries or what do we call Netflix series. You know how they go. The brothers of the mafia or the mafia of the family invites a new member in with open arms. Come into the family. Come in. They say promises of a, of a life filled with the big four, I call them, security, power, pleasure and approval. What every heart is after, security, power, pleasure, and approval. Every human heart wants this, and every human heart needs it. But as we know, being part of the mafia family, the end result is a bloody result. The brothers or the father who welcome the new member quickly turns on this new family member. It's a bait and switch. The mafia turns on the new member and the result is death, always is, a violent death. We've seen the movies, we've watched the videos. We know what happens. It ends up in the boot of a car, a body, dead, buried in the ground, destruction. And Paul is saying a similar thing here. If the flesh wins the affections of the heart, verse 21 Those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. They won't belong to Jesus. A sobering, gut-wrenching, terrifying thought. Not being with God. That's the end result. So 
So while we're on this lovely light-hearted topic, let's look at this flesh list in verses 19 to 21. None of us want to be on this list, but we all are. So let's read it together. And there's four realms or four sections, if you like. The first realm is about sex, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. And this is, sorry, I use the NIV, but those the same different sort of words, but in your translation there. According to every commentary, um, these are uh, all-encompassing phrases used here by Paul to saying any sex outside heterosexual marriage, Paul considers a work of the flesh. The second realm, number two, that's the first realm. The second realm is around religion, idolatry and witchcraft. Idolatry is as much a work of the flesh. Now, you must remember this as sexual immorality. Idolatry is as much a work of the flesh as sexual immorality. Idolatry is the worship of false gods. Idols are, are things that we make ultimate, often good things that we make ultimate things. Witchcraft, well, that's the secret playing with dark spirits. Stay away from it. Number three, the third realm is society. And he gives eight examples of the breakdown of of personal relationships, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. What a lovely list. I mean, just one, factions. Man, that can happen in any community. It can happen in the church. And you and I are at real um, trouble of this happening here. Some of us are, ah, wasn't it great when Malcolm was here? Gee, we need him. Wouldn't it be great if James was here? I'm a Kieran man. Paul had something to say about this, didn't he? Some of you say Apollos, some of you say I follow Paul. It's Jesus, church. That's who unites you, Jesus. He's sovereign over this place. He knows who the next minister's going to be. You don't have to worry. The fourth realm is grog, drink, drunkenness, abuse of mind-altering substances. And then it finishes this little line, and, and the like. In other words, this is not an exhaustive list. This is just some examples, the works of the flesh. It's vital to understand what Paul is saying when he's using the terms the flesh and the spirit. What does he really mean by that? He doesn't mean... Uh, some sort of platonic way of thinking, a dualistic way of thinking in that the flesh, the body, is bad. He's not saying that. He's not saying that what you have to do is uh, beat that into submission or to flee from it. it. He's not saying that the body, physical body, is bad. Nor is he saying that the spirit that is the inside of us is good. And the way to find your real self is to find your inner self, the real you. He's not saying that. 
uh, by flesh, what he actually means is what we are by birth, natural birth, pre-regeneration, pre-being born again. Remember Jesus in John 3 with Nicodemus? This is Paul just regurgitating Jesus' own words. He's teaching that unless you're born of the Spirit, born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You cannot belong to Jesus. Uh, Being born again, the birth of the Spirit, means that we belong to Jesus. Think of it like this. Uh, There's caterpillar, what I call caterpillar living or butterfly living. Caterpillar living, flesh living, butterfly living, spirit living. A caterpillar living ain't great. Caterpillars like eating cabbage. No Christian likes eating cabbage. We know that. Caterpillars eat their own feces. I don't know any Christian who likes that. You shouldn't. Caterpillars are actually cannibals. Did you know that? They'll eat each other. And that's what Paul doesn't want the church to do. That's his warning in the first, in the context of this, verse 15. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Caterpillar living, flesh living, pre, pre-knowing Jesus living. Butterfly living, spirit living. He's actually talking, when he means spirit, he's talking about the third person of the Trinity, God himself. And it results having him living in you in the nine fruits of the spirit. See, butterflies are free. They're completely new creatures. Once caterpillars, born again, now butterflies. Once eating cabbage and thinking it's nice, eating feces, eating each other, but now free, completely free from caterpillar life. So caterpillar life before knowing Jesus, belonging to the flesh, butterfly life belonging to Jesus, and walking by the Spirit. That's the phrase that Paul's using here, walking by the Spirit. So if the Spirit wins the war... If the spirit wins the war for the affections of our heart, there's this lovely list of fruit of the spirit. It's not fruits, by the way. It just—it actually means just the one thing: fruit of the spirit. And there's nine things. It's just a, this is the this is what happens to the heart: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So this is really easy to understand. Don't do the works of the flesh. Do the works of the spirit. Don't be bad. Be good. Don't be naughty. Be nice. Don't be a devil. Be an angel. Is that what Paul's really saying? Is that what it means to capture the heart? And the desires of it and the affections of the heart. Is it a to-do to list? 
Is this how the war is won, being good? Is it just who's got the most willpower? The most self-discipline? Well, we know the gospel teaches that the human heart is not won by doing good or by doing bad. It's not about doing good. It's not about being bad. It's not about being nice. It's not about being naughty. It's not about being an angel. It's not about being a devil. See, context is key here. Paul's main argument throughout the whole book of Galatians, this is what he's trying to do. Be reminded, false teachers have come in the side door of the church and they're flagrantly teaching a false gospel. Love Jesus, they say, have the snip, and then you're right with God. Karen said it far better last week. They're teaching, believe in Jesus, that's fine. Get circumcised, obey, what's that really, what that means, it's a code for saying, obey all the Old Testament rules and regulations. And then you're saved. That's a false gospel, Paul says. The good news That's what the gospel means. Good news that Paul is guarding is believing Jesus. Jenny, believe in Jesus. You will be saved. Therefore, your heart will be changed and you'll want to obey God. You'll want to delight in him. Believe, save, obey. Jesus plus anything equals no gospel at all. So this passage can't be choose a list. It can't be do good or do bad. That's a yoke nobody can carry. Because when we read this list of the flesh, we we identify, don't we? We try to do it. We try to be right. We try the willpower. See, some of us still have fits of rage. We snap at our partners and we justify it. Some of us struggle still with sexual immorality. Our eyes look at places, people, places on the internet that it should never go. The booze is still a vice. Why? Why Why do we still struggle with this stuff? Because we are looking for a deeper yearning that we all need, that the human heart needs. We need. We want pleasure. We want control. We want security. We want approval. Actually, our hearts are made for those things. It's okay to like approval, It's okay for me to want you to like me. Like little things, little amounts. Medium things, medium amounts. Big things, big amounts. Ultimate things, ultimately. If I make you liking me an ultimate thing, I'm dead. I'm captured by an idol. So this this passage is actually about belonging to Jesus. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus 
have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. To belong to Jesus is a, is a work of the Spirit. The Spirit's role is to show off Jesus. He continually whispers, sometimes yells in your heart, look how beautiful he is. Look at his pierced hands. Look at his glorious, perfect life. His glorious life for ours, for yours. The one who was completely full of the Spirit was made to be like sin, like flesh. So we who are full of flesh can be full of the Spirit. He is wooing the affections of our heart this morning. The one who was powerful became powerless so we can have power in him. We have God indwelling in us, the third person of the Trinity. We don't have to have fits of rage to be powerful or accepted. Jesus accepts us and he sees us. And he notices us. He notices you. He sees you and cares for you. See, there was a time when the father turned his face away from the son so you could be seen. It's the only way. Seeing the glory of Jesus... That's the fruit of the Spirit will grow in you automatically. It's only if your heart's desire and affections are won by the beauty of Jesus that you'll want to follow God. It's only that. I can tell you how bad all the flesh is. It won't stop our heart. It's too deceitful. It's too tricky. It's too clever. In other words, we can't do it. It has to come from outside. By having the affection of our heart so captured by the beauty of Jesus, that's when the Spirit, that's when the Spirit's working in your heart. And the result is fruit. And we know fruit bearing is a slow thing often. It's a slow thing. It takes a long time. I planted some Brussels sprouts and broccoli with Hugh, about my son, 11 years old, about 11, 12 weeks ago. He gave up after two weeks. Just this week, just starting to see a little bit of the fruit, and he comes out and he's amazed. So quick, Dad, but sort of so slow. Because bearing fruit is slow, isn't it? And it's also mysterious because we don't see it grow, do we? If you saw Hugh now, or if you saw Angus, my son Angus is six foot three now. now. If you saw him, you know the first thing you'd say, boy, you've grown. You haven't seen him for five years, but it's mysterious. We don't see him growing. I don't see him growing either. It's mysterious and it's slow. And it's the same for us. Often fruit bearing is slow, so we need to be patient with one another, don't we? And underneath it's happening. Even in dormant seasons, things are growing slow, 
starting to bear fruit. But the great, work, great news about this is fruit bearing is inevitable. It happens. You can't stop it. It will happen. That's the good news. It may be slow, and you might be getting closer to the end of your life than me. And it might just be starting to happen now. And that's okay. Because he's bearing fruit in your life. If you struggle to crucify the fleshly things, you can ask the Spirit today to want to want it, even if you don't want to change, even if you don't want to bow the knee because you want to be your own God. Even if you still love the fleshly things, you only love the flesh because they're good. You'll like this stuff, the caterpillars. God's just a butterfly life for you. Butterfly life for you. And he'll help you do it by showing off the sun. Just look at his hands. Just his hands. We talked about it, Jenny. His hands. His hands. He'll fulfill your heart's affection and you will bear the fruit of the Spirit. And the desires and affections of your heart will be captured by the beauty of Jesus. Amen.